This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the No Never podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and joining me today are James and Natalie. Bienvenue, Natalie, joining us from France today. Bonjour, bonjour, indeed. <laughs> that's about all, uh, all the French I know. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, I do know some French, but that's probably about my limit. I had, um, I had uh, one of our uh, fans, Tom Pollard, tweeted the podcast before we went on air this evening and suggested that I should do the podcast with a, a Joy Barton Marseille accent. So um, I'm not entirely sure I've got those skills yet, but I might, <laughs> I might give it a go at some point. <laughs> Excellent. Well, there's a win for us to go over this week. Burnley beat Hull 1-0 at the turf. Really, really big result, especially with Middlesbrough slipping up as well. Um, James, we talked on the podcast about revenge after Hull turns over on Boxing Day. 1-0 is the perfect revenge. Yeah, no, it's absolutely fantastic result. Obviously, against um, top of the table, um, and you know what? A, what a better way to just show that that was just an off day uh, on Boxing Day by uh, beating them this time. Around. What did you make of the performance overall? Um, I, I thought it was a it's one of those games where I don't think either side was really dominating. But you know, going in at half time, I thought um, you know that it. Not been the most exciting of games, but Burnley definitely had the the better of the chances. Um, and then second half, I thought we we went on and grew, and you know we got the goal. And at the end of the half, that's all that matters, isn't it? Nice to have a, a traditional one nil after all the goals we've been banging in recently. Yeah, just a you know a, a rare low scoring affair. Just you know, calm everyone down a little, make sure no one's getting too excited. <laughs> Natalie, a goal for, for Sam Volks. He, I think he's got four in his last six now, tucked in the rebound quite nicely after I think it was Barton had a shot saved. With I'm not saying Gray's gone off the boil, but it always helps when both your strikers can be relied on to score regularly. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think Sam's looked really good this last few games as well. He he was very particularly impressive on Saturday. I think I think Gray did actually have quite a quiet game. Um, but then saying that, we, we've mentioned this before, a lot of that is is the whole defence did a really good job on him again. They marked him out of the game and they made it very difficult for him to create any chances. But all that happens then is that it creates so much space for Sam and Arfield and some of our other um, players just to try and create chances because teams are concentrating so hard and marking Gray out of the game. Um, 
I don't know whether it's his new contract or whether he's just, you know, completely back in the zone now. But I think Sam's been one of our best players for the past few games. I was glad to see him get the goal. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but he did an interview with uh, the Football League paper, I think it was, where he said he only sort of feels about now that he's getting back to full fitness after, obviously, the injury that kept him out for such a long time and then the extended recovery period. And it's taken him halfway through the season, really, to get to a position where he feels like his body's at 100%. And I think you can see that in his recent performances. He's back to bullying defenders, whereas the first few weeks of the season, he wasn't really doing that. Absolutely. He 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 looked quite tired and quite laboured in the early start of the season. Everything felt like it was quite a chore. He just lacked that sharpness. Um, and I think we've all noticed it over the last few weeks that that spring he steps back, he's like one second quicker. And I thought he handled the whole defence particularly very well on Saturday. A lot of the time, they, they didn't really know what to do with him. Sponsored by the match went to David Jones, didn't it, James? But Joey Barton, excellent in midfield again. Those two seem to have a really good partnership. And with Dean Marnie out injured again, it's really important that they've really gelled in the middle of the park. Yeah, I, I think both of them you know, had a really good game. And um, I think it works much in the same way as the, the Jones-Marnie partnership you know, does. And they, they complement each other in slightly different games. Um, but, you know, Barton, I think if you'd... If, Anyone who um, doubted her was a good signing when he first came in um, could have seen the performances put in of late uh, in, advan- in advance. I think there would have been a, a lot less people wondering whether it was the right move. I think someone said on Twitter that it's his will to win that, that really stands out. He seems to be dragging the team through difficult periods in matches. Yeah, no, he, he's definitely the type of player who um, he never gives up, does he? In, uh, he, he doesn't give up on the game. He doesn't give up on uh, individual balls and challenges. And I think he, you know, gives a hundred percent every game. And in the middle of the park, particularly, I think in the championship, that's exactly what you need because it is a tough league and it's a, you know, the midfield battle can often win or lose games. And um, he's been a big part of our recent form. I think. I want to talk about Tom Heaton in a bit more detail later on regarding his, his England chances, but he made a couple of very important saves, Natalie, one in each half, I think. We don't tend to mention Heaton on the podcast much because he's just so consistently excellent. Yeah, that's a fair comment. Um, you often find that, don't you, where, where players are consistently reliable in games, they do tend to get overlooked. Um, I think maybe what highlighted this more on Saturday was you know, we haven't played teams recently that have been quite as um, clinical. Well, I say clinical, obviously they didn't manage to, to find the back of the net, but they did look really sharp going forward. They looked particularly terrifying on some of the breaks um, where they just piled forward and, and, and Heaton had to make some really important saves. So he's not been faced with forwards or chances that impressive for a while now. So the fact that he's still as sharp as he was and that he can just be called on to pull out some saves of that quality. That's why, for me, he's in the England setup. Of course, the the unbeaten run with the, the new defence continues, James. Jo- James Tarkovsky was not in the squad, we believe it's um, just getting his fitness levels up, but he's going to have to wait his turn, isn't he? Presumably be on the bench instead of Duff sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, obviously not being in the squad straight away sounds like you know he might not be quite dash fit yet. Um, We've got to remember as well, he's had a, a few weeks at Brentford where he's not been playing before signing for us. 
Yeah, no, true. But obviously, he's he's been working every day. You'd, you'd imagine still, but um, it you know, Dash is known. Uh, I think demands a little bit more fitness from from his players than some other teams do. Um, and obviously, at the moment, you can't really argue with how Keane and me are playing in the middle. And I thought me, you know, had a really good game on Saturday, and he's really showing that there's a reason he he grew up playing centre half and. Um, you know, I think any anyone who criticised him for his his play at left back is, is probably very pleased to see how he's he's got on at centre half. We, we've done this on the podcast a couple of times, but the signing of Tarkovsky it seems to be me me's place at centre back at least that he's under threat. Do you think that's that's pushed his performances onto another level? Um, yeah, potentially. I, I think as well. Um, what's probably pushing me is that he's, he's seen how well Stephen Ward's playing at left back, so. It's definitely not a given that if someone was to drop out of that defence, he could get his left-back spot back either. So, um, you know, I think he knows either way he's got to do something to make sure he's still one of the first names on the team sheet. No substitutions until until injury time, Natalie, but was this one of those games where Dash's, Dash's stance was justified in that he didn't change anything and we still got the goal quite near the end? I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes to this game actually. I, I'm I'm not entirely sure that um I would have made any substitutions um in this game. I think it was one of those games where the team was looking solid, they were playing well together. Yeah, there were some frustrating chances. It wasn't like we weren't creating any chances at all, it's just we couldn't really break through the the, the whole defence. Um so I, you know, we are well, it's one of our bugbears, isn't it? Deitch's um, very late substitutions and sometimes, dare we say, pointless substitutions. Um, I, I don't really know why he made the late changes. He, you know, he may as well have not bothered. Or was it was the 88th minute or something like that. Um, but this game, I, I back him for that. I think that he was right to keep the team as it was and it, it did pay off in the end. What you see sometimes with substitutions, James, is that the team takes a couple of minutes to get themselves sorted out again and we scored pretty much immediately after Hull had made two substitutions, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And I think as well, you know, while we're talking about substitutions, at that point in the game, you, you were wondering whether Burnley were going to make a change soon to try and try and push on and get a goal. Particularly as the Hull changes, you know, I think showed that they weren't just going to settle for, for one point, they wanted all three. Um, but we pounced and scored. And I think from that point on, Dash just really didn't see a reason to change it. Um, but you know, it, it, it's one of those things. It is hard to to talk about substitute, substitutions where they don't happen because, um, you know, maybe you could make a case that if you make a change, then maybe we go on and, and score another few. Um, but you could equally make the case that you know what happened to Hull could happen to us. You make two changes, and while there's the disruption of people settling into position, uh, they could go and score at the other end. So it's it's a difficult one, I think, to talk about. Um, substitutions in retrospect. It it wasn't a dirty game, was it? Only a couple of bookings, but um, the lad Hayden for for Hull, he had a particularly bad challenge. Do you think he was a bit lucky to stay on? Um, yeah, maybe, but I think he was helped by the the way the game had, had been going. Like you say, it wasn't a particularly dirty game, and I think in those games, um, that the referee doesn't really want to make any rash decisions because you know on the whole, if a game's been quite you know, gentle in nature. Um, sometimes I think the right thing's just to just to let a player know that he's he's gone too far and just try and keep the game under control that way. Natalie, the form's been particularly good, but BC Hull, it 
we've talked about Lena Markadon, you can't really do more than that, can you? A lot of people have said until the last few weeks that, okay, we've been doing well, but sticking four past Bristol City or five past MK Dons and those sorts of results is totally different to beating the top teams. But in recent weeks, we've, we've shown that we can do that. We have, um, and I, I don't think there's any getting around the fact that Saturday's result was absolutely massive. Um, we lose on Saturday and a gap um, opens up uh, you know, the top two, and I think it's very, very hard for us to then push for an automatic spot. We are now right in it. Yes, the other two have got games in hand, but they're both also not on, on form at the moment. They're both having wobbles. Um, we're the team out of the top three at the moment who've got momentum behind us, and we're the ones that just don't look like we're going to lose. It's, it was a huge result. It was really important. I think the, the form table over the last six games, nobody's got more points than us. There's a couple of teams who've got similar I think Sheffield Wednesday have also had four wins and two draws, but Burnley are right up there. And at this time of the season, the, the these runs that you can put together, if you're picking up points regularly and other teams are slipping up, you really start to make progress. You do, absolutely. Um, and, you know, we've said it before, how many times in the Championship does uh, all of a sudden towards the end of the season a, a team goes on a run? And it can completely change the dynamic of the top of the table. We, in the promotion year, a couple of years ago, we had that where Derby had quite a late charge and did look like at one point they were going to um, really push us and Leicester right to the end. They, they didn't. They, they fell short, you know, before the end of the season. But teams teams will go on runs before the end of the season and they can see the finish line and they'll throw everything they can to try and get the highest place finish that, that they can. And I think that's what we're seeing. James, Burnley are now seven points clear of, of seventh place. Is it a case that the top six is, is all but guaranteed at this at this point, the way we're going? Um, I'd say for us, yeah. I, I can't really see us um, you know, going on the kind of run that would see us lose a playoff spot. Um, really, at this stage, you know, I think we should all be looking up, to be honest. Um, you know, if, Once we've beaten Hull at home, that obviously has put us in a good position. Um for once, I think we're all wishing Blackburn could have held on and, and not conceded. I was going to come on to that next, actually. I don't know if you had the scores coming through, but Rovers took the lead and then Middlesbrough scored at about the same time that we did, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously for, for a couple of moments, I think when we scored, everyone thought, obviously that was going to put us in a much stronger position than it did, but it's not put us in a particularly bad position. I mean, obviously Middlesbrough still didn't win. So, um, as far as you know, going forward... Um, is concerned. We just need to keep winning games, and, and hopefully the rest takes care of takes care of itself. As far as the table goes, um, Middlesbrough play at MK Dons on Tuesday night. After we've recorded the podcast, hopefully people will listen before then. But we're now a point behind Middlesbrough and Hull. Um, the games in hand, Natalie. How much of an impact do you think they're going to have at the moment? Middlesbrough have got two, Hull have got one, and Brighton have got one as well. They're always they're always important games at the top of the table because. The teams that are at the top of the league are the ones that are consistently consistently picking up points and are winning. And um, we, we talk about the opposite end of the table. And when um, you know teams in the relegation zone have games in hand, they're often not as critical because they're not likely to to win those games. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm certainly not getting overly confident at the moment because if those teams all win all of their games in hand, then the dynamic at the top of the table changes again. And you know. The progress that we have made suddenly feels, you know, slipped a little bit further behind. But all we can do is keep winning. Um, Dyke says that all the time, doesn't he? You know, if we win our games and not really worry about what anybody else is doing, then 
the table will tell at the end of the season. There's so many games to go. I don't think there's any point worrying too much about other teams' results at this point, but I think it's quite useful for us that Middlesbrough have one of their games in hand while they're having that bit of a wobble. I think they're without winning three. So if they did go to MK Dons and even drew, I think that would really heap even more pressure on them with us really on their tail. There was a seven-point gap only a couple of weeks ago and it's down to just one. Yeah, they're, def- they're definitely having a wobble. Um, and, it, you know, I agree with you. It, I would be feeling a lot worse about the situation if they were beating everybody for fun and had two or three games in hand, but they don't. OK, we'll leave the whole game there for now. Later on in the podcast, we'll preview the next game, which is Reading away, and we'll also talk about Tom Heaton's England chances, as I mentioned a bit earlier. But now it's time for the, the most popular part of the podcast. It's Tweet of the Week. Natalie, what's Tweet of the Week this week? Well, this week we had to have a, a look around um, a slightly different angle. Um, there wasn't an awful lot to choose from from the game. I think during the game, nerves were a little frayed, so people were just trying to tweet, oh, you know, come on, come on, and then this wave of euphoria once we'd scored. So I've gone away from the game for Tweet of the Week this week and gone for another quite important piece of news coming out of the club this week so this week's tweet of the week goes to daniel thomas whose twitter handle is mcclaney01 and he simply tweets dyke best signing of the season long may it continue that of course refers to the news that came out on friday didn't it that sean dash had signed a new contract still no details about the length of the contract which is a bit unusual but they did that the last time dash um, improved his contract so I don't want to call it an extension because we don't know if it is an extension um, James for that news to come out on Friday it was pretty obviously timed ahead of a big game and the reaction from the fans just shows how much Sean Dyche is valued Yeah no um, the, you know they announced it before kick off as well to to get him a, a round of applause and obviously um, there they, they wasn't a single Burnley fan I don't think he wasn't clapping um, and even a couple of Hull fans uh, gave polite applause to him as well, which was nice to see. But you know he's done a lot in his time at Burnley, hasn't he? And um, it is um, strange to see the the reaction that gets now compared to um, obviously at times during that first half of the season that he had with us, where fans thought the world was ending because we we didn't score as much. I think it just shows, doesn't it, that managers need time to get their ideas across. You sometimes have new manager bounds, but that's not always sustainable sometimes it's better to have a a period where the foundations are getting laid and then success follows yeah no and you know if you look at the way it's gone for us you you definitely can't argue with um with that logic i think you know when i think when you get new manager bound sometimes it's um it's more a case of it it wasn't necessarily the the system that was wrong was it it was just players weren't really enjoying themselves and it gives them a bit of a kick Whereas I think for us, obviously, when Dash came in, we were pretty poor defensively. Um, and I think he rebuilt the way we play from the back. And um, obviously things like that take time. And uh, right now we're, we're enjoying um, what giving a manager time can bring. Natalie, what's your reaction to the news then? Delighted, obviously. Um, he's been such a successful manager for us. Um, and I think we are starting to see not just performances on the field and the first team um, doing well, it's everything that's happening behind the scenes. And we are told that Deitch has, has, you know, had a huge role to play in that. It was quite interesting when he said in his um, interview after his deal was announced that 
he felt that there was lots of things happening at the club that, he, that were exciting things that he really wanted to be a part of. Um, he's the first manager that I've had in a long time that I felt he's actually part of the club and he is part of the management um, and is, you know, a, a real decision maker within the club. Some of the managers before him haven't necessarily felt like part of us, but Dyche definitely does, and I'm, I'm really, really pleased. He used to speak about being a, a custodian of the club, didn't he? Which I think at the time people were a bit. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. People didn't really understand what he meant, but I think the way he's, he's slowly built the club up, I think it's it's more clear what he meant by that. Definitely. Um, it took us all a while. Um, you know, Deitch has, has been quite open about the, he calls it, a, you know, a difficult start when he first landed. He always, you know, it doesn't make any um, hiding of the fact that he doesn't think we wanted him and that people were, um, con- you know, concerned that he wasn't the right man for the job. And then it took us a bit of a transitional period while we all got used to his management style and his management talk and obviously the way that he conducted himself. But he's been with us now for a long time and, you know, we're used to the way he works and he's used to the way that we work as fans, and it's it, it's paying off now. I think everybody's on the same page as far as the team's concerned. James, I mentioned the contract and the, the lack of information over over length. Is is that any concern at all? I suppose if Dash is happy and the club is happy, it's, it's nothing for us to worry about. Yeah, um, I, I think you know contract lengths are almost pointless in football, aren't they? Because if someone wants someone enough, they end up leaving anyway. Um, you know, you don't really see many managers, particularly not at the championship level, where uh, a team waits for them to, to be out of contract. Are we to assume then that it's it's mainly a pay rise to Dash, maybe an increase in the, 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 the compensation that we'd be liable to receive if he was to take another job? I don't know, to be honest. And I think it's difficult because um, I'm not sure if anyone actually realises how long his previous contract was after the last... The, la- the last time it was announced, it was announced as an improvement, wasn't it, rather than an extension as well. So there's been some talk that it's a rolling contract, which seems to make sense. Yeah, so, you know, I don't know, maybe there's clauses in there saying, uh, you know, if a Premier League team or, you know, above 12 in the Premier League or whatever wants to speak to you, this is what we want in compensation. And if we get it, then fair enough, we'll, we'll let you speak to them or... You know, something along the I don't know, I'm completely speculating, but I'd imagine, you know, maybe there's something in there clauses about I mean, obviously with the situation we're in now, promotion's not a given, but you know, there's a chance, so maybe it's a tweak to his promotion bonus, or maybe it's even a tweak to the bonuses he'd be in for next season if he kept us up. Uh, it, you know, it's hard to say really, isn't it? But still, overall a great sign that he's committed to the club, still committed, reaffirm that commitment. Yeah, no, exactly. I think it shows that he's not planning on going anywhere, at least in the next couple of months. So that's good news for us. One extra little point on, on Dash, Natalie. The fact that he's been promoted with us before um, and Steve Bruce at Hull has got championship promotions on his CV, but Karanka at Middlesbrough hasn't. He's relatively inexperienced. Do you think that's going to be an, imp- an important factor in the next couple of months? Yes, definitely. Um, I think experience speaks volumes and... and Often, when clubs, well, you look at it in the, in the in the Premier League, when when clubs sack managers when poorly performing sides, um, whoever gets appointed, you know, people always say, look at Sam Allardyce as a classic example. One of the things that was said 
by most people as well. Allardyce knows how to stop teams getting, you know, he knows how to get teams to survive relegation. And I think that's the same principle in the championship. The championship's a really hard division. It's a great division. And actually, I genuinely enjoy playing our football there. Um, If the money and the glory, I guess, was more well distributed among the divisions, and I probably wouldn't mind as much staying in the championship. But it is a hard division and it's absolutely brutal at times. And sometimes at the end, the business end of the season, that experience, the manager to get him over the line for promotion, it can often be worth the weight in gold. I think as well with the number of games you play, when you're in good form, it's it helps that you play twice a week quite a lot of the time, whereas when you, you're not doing so well, you maybe want some more time to reflect and work on the training ground and change some tactics. You don't really want to be playing necessarily three days after you've just lost. Some teams will want to get back out there and put things right, but maybe the... It's so relentless, isn't it, to, to borrow a dashism, the championship, the way you constantly got a game coming up. It's rarely time to catch your breath. That really has an impact on team's form. It definitely does. But when you're at the top of the table and you're playing well and you're picking up results, that's a good thing. Um, we yeah, hear I mean, play, I'm, yeah. I'm sure we wish we had a game midweek to take advantage of our game. I run. think so too, yeah. I think that's the one thing that... that the team will have been absolutely buzzing coming off the whole result. They'll have been in that dressing room and they'll have been on cloud nine. And to have to wait a whole week before another game, I think would have been, um, you know, I think they would have loved to have played midweek. Maybe the flip side to that then is that when Saturday comes again, they'll be hungry to go. I would certainly hope so, yes. Excellent. Well, we'll come on to a bit more about Reading um, at the end of the podcast. But I'll, I want to talk a little bit about Tom Heaton again and his England chances. There's been... Um, a bit of talk about how Fraser Forster in particular seems to be locked down for that third goalkeeping spot in the Euro 2016 squad. Obviously, everyone assumes that Joe Hart's going to go as number one and Jack Butland as number two. Um, James Heaton's not really done anything wrong this season. Has he? There's maybe a couple of goals that he could have done better for, but was it just a case that he was keeping the, the seat warm for somebody else while, while others were injured? Um, I don't know. To be honest, it, it it's tough to see it is tough to see him getting in the England side, you know, while he's playing in the Championship, um, because that's just the way it's always been, isn't it? Players at the Championship can play as well as they want, and they're not really going to get much attention. I, I thought it was really good when actually he still was in the squad after we dropped down, because um, it would have been very easy, obviously, for him to sort of drop off the radar at that point. It, it, I think that was also partly a lack of alternatives. There's so few English number ones in the Premier League. Yeah, no. No, totally. And obviously, a lot of the ones that are available are injured. Um, I, I think it's it's difficult. Obviously, I think Joe Hart's going to be a good keeper for, for quite some time, and uh, it's really difficult to see anyone other than him getting much of a look in long term. Natalie, uh, there was a couple of comments that I took exception to, saying that uh, that Heaton was being badly treated. This is all speculation, anyway. The tournament's a long way away, but. Fraser Forster has come in and kept five clean sheets in a row for Southampton since coming back to fitness. So, in terms of earning his place back, he couldn't really be doing anything more as as unlucky as it would be for for Tom. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a strange one to suggest that he's been unlucky, or sorry, that he's been uh, treated badly. How has he been? I don't know if I necessarily understand that. The, I think the people are just that assuming that he's going to fall out of the squad. Yeah. yeah. I think I think James is right in what he said there. I think that assumption is based on the fact that 
there's not that many successful England players playing in the championship. And, you know, had we survived last season and be playing our second um, season in the, the Premier League, then maybe that speculation wouldn't be there. Um, I, I can't imagine that, that Tom's not completely, um, you know, com- not, I'm going to say comfortable is not the right word, but he'll know what's expected of him and he'll know what his role is in that England camp. And I would imagine that he's probably just, um, you know, taking the experience at the moment and seeing what happens. I can't imagine that he's, he's worrying too much about it. It has been a bit of a shame that he didn't get on the pitch in any of the friendlies recently, but I suppose he's, he's still young in terms of goalkeeper years, isn't he? There's plenty of time for him to go on and, and force his way into that, that setup. Yeah, I think the other thing as well is, um, you know, like you said, Force has obviously come back into the Southampton side and played very well. And I think a problem with the England side in the past has been that it's not really picked on form. Um, so I think, you know, if Forster gets back in the squad, it shows that he's being picked on form. I mean, it's you know, could be seen as harsh on Tom. He's not really done anything wrong this season, but I mean, five clean sheets in the Premier League in a row—that's, you know, that's a good, pretty good achievement for any goalkeeper. So, you know, he'd say that was formed to to displace someone who's while he is playing really well in the Championship. You know, he's, he's not putting up that quite same uh, statistical performance. It's, it's certainly something to keep an eye on, isn't it? I think Hodgson's intimated that he wants to have some sort of big get-together of all the players that have, have got a chance of being in the squad. I think if Heaton's invited to that, we would show that he's still in the thinking. Um, there is going to be some Burnley interest at Euro 26, regardless of, of Heaton's involvement. Obviously, Sam Volts is likely to go with Wales, Stephen Ward with the Republic of Ireland. Um, but another former Claret who might well get in, um, Kieran Trippier, maybe, scored his first Premier League goal at the weekend for Spurs, the winner. And he seems to be edging out Kyle Walker for the number the number one right back slot. I don't know how much you've seen of Spurs recently, James, but it would be fantastic to see him in the squad after he spent a good few years at Burnley. Yeah, no, I I don't see a lot of Spurs, but I do have a friend who's um quite a big Spurs fan. He said that they've been sort of rotating the two to, to keep them fresh, which you know, I think the fact that they've started doing that shows that that Trippier has caught the attention, and uh, he played the Europa League games, didn't he? And obviously impressed enough to, to yeah, be trusted with Premier League games. I'd, I'd heard he was very good in pre-season as well, and to be honest, I was a bit surprised that that Walker managed to start ahead of him. And maybe the biggest surprise, obviously, that Walker hasn't been injured yet to to get just hand Trippier the, the starting spot because that's normally how Walker seasons go. But um, you know, I think if he if he keeps turning up in at the back post like that to score little tappings, then um, it's going to be hard to keep him out of the Scott side. And, you know, if they start playing to his strength as well, which, you know, we know from his time at Burnley, he can cross the ball really well. He's, he's great getting forward. Um, then he's arguably going to be first choice for, for Spurs. And they're well in the chase for the title, you could say, as well this season. So, you know, if he wins the title with Spurs and he's playing regularly right back there, you've got to think that almost makes him uh, a shoe in for the England squad. I think it's. It's, I can't see him getting in, but only because I think he's not been picked so far and I think it would be quite a surprise, I think, if someone got into the squad having not been in any of the squad so far with all the players that have been that have been tested so far. But I think it would be fantastic and I've been really impressed with what I've seen of him this season. I just think it would be terrific to see him get a chance. Plus, Eng- England's choice at right back. They're not very good, to be honest. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I, I don't think England's... You know, right back slot is 
particularly strong. And it hasn't been for a while. Glenn Johnson, even when he was still playing there, was borderline abysmal, wasn't he? Um, so, you know, I, and I, I think I said a few seasons ago, really, that Trippier could be an England right back um, in the future. And it's not, it wasn't really a difficult prediction to make, was it, the way he was playing for us? And he took the step up to the Premier League quite well. And obviously Spurs were then interested. And you've got to think if you're at Spurs, you, you get the manager's attention. The fact that he's at Spurs must be beneficial as well, Natalie, with the number of Spurs players that are in the England squad all at the moment, they must have people watching Spurs every week and Trippy is going to catch the eye if he keeps playing. You certainly would have thought so, wouldn't you? It's uh, um, it's a really funny one, really. I'm taking it aside, his performances, it still breaks my heart to see him in a Spurs shirt. I really do wish he was back with us. Every single time I watch him play and I see these sublime crosses, my heart sinks a little bit and I remember the good old days when we used to get the trips crosses in but I, I share your sentiment I think he's done fantastically well I was I was concerned for him at the start of the season he didn't seem to be muscling his way in um, and I think he was being um, you know frustratingly kept on the sidelines but whatever he's doing he's obviously doing it right and um, you never know you know there's there's still games to play somebody not that I would wish this on anybody but if anybody picks up an injury or he just has that good a performance. He might find himself as a fringe player um, on the plane. It would be amazing. The hope, if he gets in the England squad, maybe John Watson would learn how to pronounce his name. Oh, God. Trippy A. Every week. <laughs> particularly bad on Saturday player. because he was involved so much. He said Trippy A about six times in 30 seconds. I was ready to put it through exactly. the TV. <laughs> you playing for Spurs, did someone would be telling them that they've got it wrong. I mean, when he was at Burnley... He's, not, he's not the first one, is he? Motson's not the first one to be calling him Trippier, but no. you only have to look at his Wikipedia page and see he's from Bury. Like, yeah, he's exactly. not going to be Trippier, is he? Yeah, I just watched an interview with him. And just look at his face. Yeah. <laughs> he's clearly not French. He's in no way French, is he? No way French. And the thing is, so every single week as well, every single time somebody's watching Match of the Day, like hundreds and hundreds of Burnley fans and just tweet the show and say, You've got the pronunciation wrong. It's like, does nobody pass this message on? It's not. Like, it's it's like almost like they're all, they're all committed to it now. It's like, Motson started it, doing yeah. it wrong, so we all have to do it wrong. <laughs> as well, don't we? um, you mentioned injuries, perhaps letting somebody in. Another former Burnley player who's, who's fallen out of favour a bit, but Gary Cale could benefit from Kurt Zuma having a, a serious injury. James, it's been a funny season for Chelsea and Cale, but it now looks like he's going to go to. Euro 2016 with England and could potentially be a very important player and it'd be fantastic to see someone whose who's formative experiences really were spent at Turf Moor. Yeah, no, they were. I, I remember obviously him and John McGreal was the, the partnership went and he he was really good and I think he was a special talent at that point. Um, obviously what's happening for him at the club level at the moment, it seems a bit strange. Um, but I mean, what Chelsea hasn't been strange this season. So, um I think he's he's going to be in England player for a few years yet, isn't he? And uh, he's definitely probably the best centre back who's not near in the end of his career who's available for England. Perhaps overstretching it a bit, Natalie, but how great would it be to see Kale and Trippier in England defence? Oh, it'd be so amazing, wouldn't it? It's a funny, it's a funny thing, really, that we we haven't had this for for a while. There's there's this belief that you know once you've been a claret, you'll always be a claret. And those two players both left us on really good terms. Um, they went with our, you know, wholehearted wishes. And it would just be amazing. You kind of feel like they are still one of your own and you, you feel a little bit 
um, responsible for their career progression. So to see both of those in the Euros, I think would be a pretty pretty spectacular moment for us. And to throw one last name in before we move on to, to more Burnley-related matters, Charlie Austin started his, his Southampton career pretty well with a, a winner on his debut within seven minutes at Old Trafford, James. He's got to have a great chance as well. Oh, I mean, I still can't understand how he wasn't at Premier League side at the beginning of the season. And, you know, if he was, I think he's going to score quite a few goals by this point. And you'd have to say, he'd, you know, he'd have to be a shoo-in for the squad. I mean, for me, that up front is the most interesting position for England because obviously Wayne Rooney is pretty much an automatic pick being captain, despite the fact he's not good. Um, and <laughs> He has scored a few recently, to be fair, although I'm broadly in the Rooney is not good camp. Yeah, he's he's picked it up, but he's he's not. I I'd never thought he's as good as we've made out. Anyway, I mean, obviously he does have a decent goal scoring record, but he he did have a tendency. <laughs> That's one way of putting he, the the country's record goal scorer. But yeah, carry on. How many of his record uh, goal scoring goals? No, came you're right. Major tournaments he struggled that far. Um, you know, he's I think he's been very good previously in his career. You know, building up his goal tally during the qualifiers, and everyone comes into the World Cup thinking, you know, World Cup or Euros, thinking he's in such good form for England, he's going to score lots of goals, and then he doesn't. Um, whereas I think Charlie Austin, I mean, you just get the ball to him in somewhere in the range of the 18 yard box, don't you? And he, he's going to score at some point during a game, and I think that's what you need um, at international football because they don't get a lot of chance to play together as a team. Um, I don't think you want necessarily the fanciest football do you you want to keep it basic you you know keep it simple you've got players who come together for what maybe 20 days a year um and if you can play a simple game that anyone can pick up from you know quickly it makes it easy to to change the squad if someone's not in form well i'm sure we'll come back and reflect on this um later in the season probably just before the euros but certainly be keeping an eye out for Kale Trippier and Austin and of course Jay Rodriguez as well who could come back into fitness and into contention in the next few weeks um, one last thing I wanted to touch on before we come on to, to previewing Reading is the sad death of former chairman Frank Teasdale um, he was a bit of a controversial character towards the end of his his time as chairman it's fair to say but looking back Natalie the stability that he provided through a very difficult time for the club is it fair to say that the club might not be around today if it wasn't for Teasdale? I think that is probably a very valid comment. Um, I think if you ask the the generation of fans who were around and and who were um, particularly concerned in the you know the, the times where we nearly fell out of the league and the times where the club looked like it was going to. Well, you know, go out of all existence. That they were probably, no matter how um, concerned they were. Now, you know, the bitterness, perhaps, at the, you know, at the end of his his term. I think you can't really argue with that, can you? He he certainly kept us um, where we are. Well, not where we are today, but he kept us alive, and we were able to kick on from that. So, you know, so many players, so many managers, so many figureheads in football all have controversial spells. It's a game that makes people passionate and not everybody will always agree on it so the fact he was a controversial figure towards the end of his reign is no great surprise it probably happens to every single club um, in history but you know he should be remembered for the good things he did for the club and quite rightly as you say the fact that he probably 
gave us a club that we've now still got. I, I was quite young when Frank Teasdale was coming towards the end of his time. I, I remember thinking his name was Teasdale out because it kept getting chanted on the terraces every week. Everyone wanted rid of him. But I think the frustration was that he wasn't putting his hand in his pocket to to spend loads of money on players. But James, we've never had people running the club that have been able to do that. It's local people who've got the club close to their heart. And, okay, they're not super rich, but they're always going to do what they think is for the good of the club. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, the way Burnley's always gone is the, the you know, the people involved are, are rich enough. Um, you know, if, if you want to sign a player and, and that you know, they need a little bit of money to get it over the line, then they're, they're, they're able to do that. But, you know, we've never had the type of people involved who can, uh, you know, fund what we see at Leicester or something like that. It's just never going to be the way, is it, unless you get someone foreign in. Um, but I think that the club's all the better for that, having, you know, local people who care about the club um, is arguably why it's still here today. OK, looking ahead to the weekend then, Burnley faced Reading. One of the few teams to have beaten us this season, we lost to Reading at the turf earlier in the season, so maybe another chance to get revenge on a team that we'd been beaten by. Um, their form's been quite up and down. They haven't won in the league for quite a while, actually, looking at their form. It's been a few weeks, but they've started the season very well, Natalie. They seem to have tailed off, but another big opportunity for us to get three points. It certainly is, and I think, as we mentioned earlier on, we're going to be going into this game with confidence sky high. Um, I'm expecting a tough game, like you say. They did start brightly, but they have t- tailed off a bit. But they aren't a, a poor side, and, and away from home, it's going to, you know it's going to be a difficult, um, a difficult afternoon. Um, I can't, as much as you're going to just punch yourself in the head, I can't now move away from my predictions, and I have to carry on down the reverse psychology route, and I have to carry on because until until we I'm actually lose. Nothing. I know, I know it's killing you, but it's working, and I've, I'm just getting ridiculously superstitious. I haven't about asked this. you for a prediction yet, so. Okay, well, I won't we'll do it. Yet. Uh, breaking we'll news on, on, on the podcast, James, that Paul Clements left Derby. Uh, I think they've gone six without what? a win. Breaking news live on the podcast. That's just happened now? Apparently, yeah, James. James Clements just me. been sacked. Been sacked after six games without a win, and all the money wow. they've spent, that's. It, it seems a bit harsh, but. Uh, their squad surely is strong enough to be competing further up the league than they are. It should be. It's one of. I mean, it, in some respects, it doesn't surprise me because, you know, boards who do have the money to spend have seem to have a very smaller amount of tolerance for managers who don't quite get it right. We mentioned after after the game with you know when we played them, it's a for the amount of money that he spent, he's managed to create a pretty unspectacular and quite dull side you know it's not a good squad it's a pretty mediocre squad um and if he can't spend all of that money and turn promotion i'm not i'm not in the slightest bit surprised but i'm uh, but then in that sense i am surprised it's so close to the end of the season have they just now written off their chances because who's he going to get in now who's going to get them promotion have they just written this season off again it's a straight i agree that the timing's a bit weird obviously the form has been bad but they obviously think that for the money that's been spent, there must be more to get out of the squad. Um, maybe, but they're leaving it late. You know, there's there are there are in some respects plenty of games to play. But for a new manager to be, 
interviewed, appointed, come in, assess what they've got. And then, you know, you're asking you're asking the board to make a very quick, correct appointment. Then you're asking that manager to come in, assess where he is and get instant results. Because because the longer it drags on, then the longer the, the pressure, you know, the meltdown is going to carry on. I'm, the more we think about it, I say, I'm, I'm not talking particularly very fluently here because this has actually genuinely quite shocked me now. I, I, I don't know what they think. They must have just... I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a bit speechless. I'm sorry. <laughs> James, <That's>... <laughs> do you have any words to, to contribute on poor climate leaving Derby? Um, well, it, it's one of those things, isn't it? Derby have started their, their annual slide uh, and clearly the, you know, the higher-ups at the club think it's, it's the right move, but I'd say you know it comes back to what we were saying earlier about about Dash and giving managers time and and how that works out. You know Derby probably going through managers too quick and I don't think changing managers is the way to to fix the fact that your team somehow seems to forget how to play in the second half of the season. Okay, going back to the the Reading game, James, what are you expecting from that match? Uh, it's an interesting one because, like you said, obviously their form has been quite up and down and. When they came to came to the turf and, and beat us, I thought they looked a very good side. Um, so it, it is interesting to see that you know they are struggling. Um, so I'd, I'd I'd expect us to go go there and win. Um, you know, clearly in the run they're in, um, coming up against a team in the run we're in. I, I think they're probably going to be a little bit nervous. You know, their positions. You know, they have they not going to go down are they but they don't want to I think slip any further down the table because it's it's going to lose the momentum uh, for start make, making new signings in the summer etc because people want to see them as challenging so they will still want to get as high up at the table as they can um, but the form we're in I really can't see us not not taking advantage of their poor form. They're still in the cup reading they've had a couple of home wins against Huddersfield and Walsall but they haven't beaten anyone any good at the Medici for some time they beat Middlesbrough at the start of October and apart from that it's been three points against other teams towards the bottom. Um, Natalie, go on then, give us a prediction using your famous reverse psychology model. I'm going to continue the trend until it stops working and then I will go back to being normal prediction that is sensible. I'm going to predict a... Hmm... Now, if I do quite a narrow loss, we tend to draw. If I do a ridiculous loss, we tend to win. So I'm going to say a 4-1 loss. There you go. Sounds realistic. James? Um, I'm going to go for a 3-0 win. I'm with you. I think the way we're playing, I think it'll be difficult for Reading to live with us. I can see us getting a goal early and cruising through this one. Um, But that's about it for this season. We will look at the Reading game on next week's podcast. Um, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, please do so. Our email address is podcast at net, or you can tweet us as well at net. Natalie will be keeping an eye out for tweets of the week. Doesn't sound like she was that impressed with this week's collection, so everyone needs to do a bit better than that, right, Natalie? That's absolutely true. <laughs> I will give you all, yes, I, I'll give you all a free week this week, given the, the, the tension of the game. But yeah, you need to do better, please. <laughs> That's your homework, listeners to the podcast. Yes, definitely. Do, do better tweets. Well, that is about it for this week's podcast. So thanks for Natalie and James for joining us. Congratulations to this week's Tweet of the Week winner. But we'll be back next week. Thank you. Bye.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.